0: All right. Next smart AFC previews. It is the most wonderful time of the year. My question to you is a simple one. Who is going to win the AFC South?
1: Give me the Titans. I maybe not as high on them as you have been in seasons past, but, uh, I was high on them and then they added Julio Jones. So I'm sky high on them now. Uh, the only thing I a bit uncomfortable with is still is Ryan Tannehill. Um, But with what he's shown over the past two seasons, and really since he's put on a Tennessee Titans uniform, uh, I think he's going to be all right for another run this year. Um, Yeah, Derrick Henry still the best running back on planet Earth, in my opinion, and still will be for some time. Maybe another guy on the O-line they could use. Uh, They're getting Taylor LeJuan back from a, a season ender. Uh, hopefully, he's back by, uh, I think it was week four, week five. Could it maybe even be earlier? But yeah, give me the Titans to win the AFC South. What do you mean?
0: I am on the indie hype train. Um, it is worth noting, I think, that they are slightly favored both by the sports books and uh, by some, some analysis tools that we've been looking at. To have more wins, but by the the smallest margin. So Sports Interaction has Indy over 9.5 wins at minus 152. Uh, They've got Tennessee over 9.5 wins at minus 134. So we are splitting hairs here on which team is going to be the better one. I think what it does tell us is that the matchups between these two teams um, that are going to take place, let's see here, in week three and week eight, you know are actually huge you're gonna be 10 weeks until the season ends and those two games are already gonna be settled if they go two in one direction or the other um somebody's sitting in the in the driver's seat but let's start our afc south discussion not with teams that we think are going to win but with a team that will be fighting to lose the division uh the lowest win total i have seen posted so far uh pinnacle doesn't even have it on the board sports interaction has over under three and a half wins with the over at minus 157 uh warren sharp's football preview projects the texans to have four and a half wins football outsiders projects them for 6.7 wins and the story here is something we've talked about you know really all through the off who's going to play quarterback for this team? Uh, they have made an acquisition in Tyrod Taylor. They drafted David Mills with the 67th overall pick. So those are a couple guys. It seems like everybody agrees the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans is not going to be Deshaun Watson. What say you?
1: Well, I don't think it's really anybody's choice at this point. I think, uh, legally, uh, he's not going to be eligible, uh, with the, uh, The accusation still uh, hanging over his head in the the league, uh, certainly to come down with their discipline. Um, And even before that, he had dropped the gauntlet and put down the gauntlet and said he's never going to wear the jersey again. So, I mean, you add those two together, and I'm not sure we see him play football this year. Uh, I'm going to wager that it's going to be the Tyrod Taylor show early and that he, once they're, you know, (laughs) once they're the last, place team in the league as uh they probably should be come week five week six maybe they uh shift to uh the rookie davis mills
0: other key losses that they suffered here jj watt goes away um arizona it, all the way to arizona will fuller when healthy was uh a, i would say a game changer in some ways on, on yeah. the offensive side of the ball
1: field structure for sure
0: uh yeah totally changed how you had to play defense realistically yep yeah. You know, um, I just don't see how this team does anything. I get that the projections say four and a half to seven wins. Um, I think you have to be considerate of the fact that there's an additional game. So all these win totals that seem a little high, you know, at their, the average team is going to get an extra half game just from adding... That And good teams should get more and and bad teams should get less. With that said, I I just love, love, love uh, betting against Houston here. The over three and a half actually seems aggressive. If Deshaun Watson's not there, I don't know how they move the ball. I don't know how they stop anyone from moving the ball. This could be a three-win team, and I'm I'm not going to be super shocked if it is. And if you had to bet on who had the first overall pick in the draft this year, I would bet a lot of shekels on yeah. the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious to see a line for that because that's one I might like to get involved with because I do think it will be this Houston team uh, as uh, the initial reading of the T leaves stands. Um I'm interested to see what happens in the running back room because as things stand right now, they've got, of course, David Johnson, who they brought over from Arizona, and uh, Philip Lindsay, they brought over for Denver, but they added two other guys, Mark Ingram, everybody's favorite, and Rex Burkhead they brought in from New England. So between those four vets, and we know it's not going to be David Johnson because money owed and, and they still kind of need him, my guess is Philip Lindsay's going to make this team, and I wouldn't be surprised if Rex Burkhead squeaks out a role. So I'm as much as I hate to say it, I'm almost looking for Mark Ingram to get uh, released before Week One. I don't know how much he still has in the tank. Obviously, Baltimore late last year determined that that was not a large amount. Um, good for him if he makes this team, but. Especially where they're fast into a rebuild here. I'm just not sure how much sense it even makes for him to be stealing carries away from uh, God knows. They must have a UDFA back somewhere there. Uh, So yeah, I think it's Ingram probably the odd man out, but could be Burkhead. We'll see. Stay tuned.
0: If you want to be, um, how you say, a lunatic, uh, something you can consider here, Houston Texans plus 600 to make the playoffs uh, football outsiders has them as uh, you know, playoff contender. So nine to 11 wins, 19%. So roughly one in five. So it seems like there might be a tiny bit of value. If you trust these football outsiders numbers uh, in, in throwing a couple shekels down on Houston, that is not a thing that I would put my life savings into though. I think it's uh it's definitely a long shot, but you know, could have some value. Who knows?
1: Laramie Tunsil has been a topic of much discussion on the history of this show. Yes. And he's still, if not the best dancing bear in the league, a top three guy. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time this team is done their rebuild and ready to actually seriously contend again for the AFC South crown, Laramie Tunsell is going to be past his prime so if they can get any kind of draft capital anything that's going to help speed up this rebuild for him by the deadline I would probably most definitely pull the trigger on that deal and it's one of those where it's you know you're not getting rid of a guy because you don't think he's a good player anymore it's just age wise it doesn't really make sense with what's going to be the new core of this team going forward and honestly the same goes for guys like Justin Reed and You know, even Zach Cunningham, guys like that, um, look for this Texans roster to continue to get broken down and deconstructed and gutted of anybody basically older than 25, 26 years old um, as things progress here. And you got to think that whether there's a camp injury to a a team that's contending uh, and needs a left tackle. Or it's just, you know, a team finds out, oh, geez, the guys we did bring in, the guys we thought we were going to be all right with, turns out no. Um, I think there will be a market there for Tunsil, and I think they can get at least, geez, one of the first-round picks back that they spent on him. So, so quick note from Football
0: Outsiders, uh, quote, the good news is that Laramie Tunsil took big steps towards undoing his bad 2019 season, cutting his penalties from 18-7. to 7. The bad news is that the team looked notably improved in the run game when Tunsil missed the last two games of the season and the Texans were forced to use Roderick Johnson out there, end quote. Uh, I agree with you on the Dancing Bear front. Sounds like they think you might have some holes in the run game, but usually that's not what you're getting a left tackle for. I agree with you. No, if you exactly. can if you can find a way to get back even what you gave up for the guy, um, which I think they should be able to. I think it was just a first that they gave up for him. So uh, I, I agree with you. For Tunsil? Yeah.
1: Yeah, didn't they give Miami two for him? might have been Stills
0: two. Yeah. But. yeah,
1: yeah, something like that. Um, but one thing I have to say about that 2019, quote-unquote, bad season by tunsil he had some bonehead penalties. But well, 18, pro, is, pro more football, 18 yeah, is, is more than some. It is, it is. But but like when you factor in that pro football focus, Adam is like the number one or two ranked left tackle. I mean, uh, to call 2019 a bad year, uh, I'm not sure I can get beyond that. Uh, let's move on to teams that don't suck
0: the Indianapolis Colts, uh, my pick to win the division. The biggest move of the offseason, Carson Wentz comes in new quarterback. Uh, of course, uh, there was a retirement. There were a couple actually, um, Castanzo, their, their left tackle mm. who was often injured in fairness. Uh, and also Phillip rivers, Of course. Uh so you know, if you look at the team just from like you lost Philip Rivers and you got Carson Wentz, is your team better? Not sure it is. Um you bring in Eric Fisher at left tackle. Is your team better? I'm not sure it is.
1: Former number one overall pick in a in a weak draft class. Um Casey was sad to see him go. I think it's a it's a good fit in Indy. Um But, yeah, we'll see.
0: I I think the real point here is, you know, it's it's another year for Jonathan Taylor in the offense. Um, You have Quinton Nelson, you know, manning the run game still. And if there is anything, anything left in the cap, pardon me, in the tank of Carson Wentz, then you're there. Uh, that you're you're 12 wins you probably win the division good chance you are fighting for the the um conference the part we don't talk about on this team enough is their defense is really good like Mm -hmm. i i think we need to really start having a bit more of a conversation about there's no one player on this team like there's lots of good players right you're like oh xavier Rhodes, yeah that's a good corner and um, you know, Leonard is, Leonard's a good linebacker mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Of course, Buckner and Buckner. Yeah. Right. These are all good players, but th- none of these guys, you're like, holy shit, this guy changes. Like none of them are as good at their position as Quentin Nelson is at his. Right.
1: Oh, no, I mean, this, is, you'd be hard pressed to find four guys league wide that you can hold up to Nelson.
0: No, no, but there's, but uh, you know, at presumably there's 22 guys in the league that are the best at their position. Right. Mm-hmm. There's only, there's none on defense on this team. I would say, Um, Uh, Leonard's up there Buckner's up there Well Buckner plays the same position As Aaron Donald so Yeah (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, This is all to say This is a well Coached defense That is better Than the sum of their parts I think that when I look at the Difference between Tennessee and Indy that's the thing I keep coming back to I don't trust the Tennessee Defense I definitely Trust Mm -hmm. the Indy one Um, Mm -hmm. worth noting the indie schedule is very difficult. Um, I'm looking at this schedule here and basically they've got snoozers against Houston twice and they got snoozers against Jacksonville twice. And aside from that, it is a murderer's row. They
1: They got the Jets. Oh,
0: fair enough. They they do have the Jets, but you know you've got the, <laughs> the NFC West coming. Uh, they get they get the Bills, they get the Ravens. Yep. They they have a first place schedule. You
1: know, got the Bucks, and they get
0: the Bucks too. So, you know, this team's got to be considerate of the idea that like that it's it's not going to be an easy walk. But I still like them. I like this team a lot. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with anything he said. I think I think. Tennessee's defense is a bit better than uh, maybe most people. Um, yeah, I think Indy's got a fine roster. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to Wentz. What Wentz are we getting? Are we getting the North Dakota State? Are we getting the early Philly stuff? Or are we getting the late Philly stuff, right? We all know they got, they've got they got no issues. I mean, this might even be one of the most stronger teams at running back between Taylor Naeem Hines catching the ball out of the backfield, and Marlon Mack, who's really a surplus of goods at this point, Jordan Wilkins. Yeah. I love this backfield. Uh, just depth-wise, talent-wise, they're absolutely stacked. And tight end, I feel the same way. I, I've been preaching on this show for well over a year that Mo Alley-Cox doesn't get near the volume he deserves for being the freak athlete that he is. Um, sounds like Jack Doyle, they're finally going to, Take a page out of my book and scale him back a bit. Uh, I think he's going to be run blocking a lot more this year, from what I've heard, as his body uh, continues to break down. I like surprisingly what they've got at wideout, even though they don't have much de- depth. Um, there was speculation T.Y. Hilton was going to move on; he ended up coming back. I love uh, Michael Pittman the second rounder at USC. I think sophomore year now for him. And Paris Campbell, uh, second rounder of Ohio State a couple of years ago, if he can just stay healthy, man, sky's the limit for him. And, yeah, I mean, guys like Zach Pascal, J.J. Nelson behind them, I think they'll be all right at wideout. Olan's going to be all right. Yeah, no, very little holes on defense. It does, to me, all come down to Wentz. It all comes down to Wentz. And I have a question for you. You said, how much does Wentz have in the gas tank? My question to you is that, are we talking mileage, age, or talent? Because if it's yeah. mileage or age, we all know he should better should be still have should fucking, yeah, yeah three-quarters yeah. of a fucking gas tank. Because yeah. even some of the seasons he played, he missed three-quarters of the year. You know, he wasn't out there taking hits. I think what you meant was talent-wise. How much more talent does this guy have to be a sustainable starting quarterback?
0: Yeah, a little With bit Frank of, Reichs- does he have any of it left. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um with Frank Reich, I I have to think that they're gonna be all right, right? I mean for you you put Frank Reich with any other quarterback, he's gotten pretty good results. And I mean look what they did in Philly together. Um Yeah. And then you add a first round defensive end like Quiddy Pay to uh what's uh already pretty dominant D line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm liking uh I'm liking how this team looks. Uh Rock Yasin at corner one of the better corners that isn't really a household name. And I'll tell you with a name like that, it won't be much longer before he is a household Mm -hmm. name. And Xavier Rhodes closed. I'm still shocked. Minnesota let him walk. What a year, two years ago now. Yeah. Um. Indy was like, yeah, okay, we'll take him. (laughs) And he can, he's still out there balling. Yeah. And uh, between, we're not going to mention many kickers on uh, these preview shows, but Rodrigo Blankenship. Yeah. Quietly. I mean, the first eight weeks of the season, he was the number one fantasy kicker. And come week one, I don't think anyone at a Colts Nation had heard the guy's name. And they so, love him now. Oh They man. love that. Yeah, man. Yeah. The the glasses, the name, the mustache. Yeah, man. He's a, He's got a bright future there. If you're a kicker and you can stand out, like physically, people will remember you, whether it's a name or just like a different look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just final note. I like the Colts. I just don't like them as much as tennis.
0: Last thing on the Colts piece, uh, just Football Outsiders has them at 8.7 wins. Sharps got them at 10. I mentioned earlier the over-unders m- over 9.5 with heavy juice on the over at minus 152 at Sports Interaction, minus 134 at Pinnacle. Hey, Football Outsider says 8-7, and a seven, and you're going to get plus money on the under? Yeah. Like Maybe you think about it, you know? There's there's probably some value there as well. A team that I will not be surprised if they finish with three wins, and I will not be surprised if they finish with 10 wins, the Jacksonville Jaguars. When you go through as much change as Jacksonville has gone through, you have to anticipate that there is going to be a high level of variance in what the outcome looks like. So you bring in Urban Meyer... Uh, Daryl Bevel, Joe Cullen, whole new coaching staff there. Does Urban Meyer's college rah-rah crap work in the NFL? We have seen a bevy of coaches come from college to the NFL and fall flat on their face because it's a whole other ballgame. And we've also seen a bevy of college coaches come and just tear the league up for a year or two or in some cases a decade or two. So the variance here seems very high and if you were to point your finger at the place you kind of see the most, I right now would say Trevor Lawrence. We don't know what he's going to look like in the NFL and even if he turns into Peyton Manning, let's remember that in Peyton Manning's first year, he threw Mm -hmm. what, 20 interceptions? It is a different game and even the most elite prospects have difficult first years. But, the uh, yeah.
1: see Jim Mora Coors Light commercial.
0: Yes. So have there been players lost to Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, guys like Chris Conley aren't there anymore, for example. But they bring in Shaquille Griffin. That's going to help them at corner for sure. They then use their uh, first overall second round pick. So the 33rd pick overall uh on a corner as well. We've already talked about how we think that 25th pick might not have been optimal taking Etienne, but I'll tell you what if that's a security blanket for Trevor Lawrence okay. Uh you've got DJ Shark do 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 do. They bring in Marvin Jones. This team is objectively better. Are they so much better that they win 10 games? Probably not. The projections say 6.5 or 7. The over-under says 6.5 with juice on the under. Yeah, I think 6 or 7 is probably right, but I'm not going to be shocked with anything that ends up on the edges of where you would think this team would be. What do you think?
1: I agree with you. I think uh, it's feast or famine, right? But I I think it's likely going to be famine. I think much like with Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence this year could really go one way or the other, and I don't think it's going to surprise a ton of people. I think it will surprise some people when maybe he struggles out of the gate. Yeah. Or if maybe as from a bird's eye view of his whole rookie campaign, if it's viewed as a struggle, that might shock some people. Um, but I'm not overly high on this team in year one of uh, the Lawrence Etienne Meyer regime. I do have a lot of good things to say about their offense, though. At receiver, GJ Shark. Um do, 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 do. do. It sounds like he's uh, put on some weight. It sounds like he was challenged by the coaching staff to play more physical and more dominant. And I'm expecting big things. He had a bit of a down year last year. But, hey, I mean, they weren't really working with much of quarterback, right? Um, I like bringing in Marvin Jones from Detroit. I think he's still got some ball left. Uh, but LaVisca Shenault needs to be mentioned because I think they have big things in store for him. And if Lawrence is playing good ball, uh, Cheneau should be a fantasy darling. That goes for DJ shark too. If if Trevor Lawrence is going to come out and look like Joe Burrow early on, yeah. then I'm hoping I have DJ shark in all my leagues and Cheneau as well. Right. I mean, cause it's going to be an air show. Um, I love the Travis Etienne pick, um, but poor James Robinson, right? I mean, this time last year, no one had really heard of him. Then he goes on to have the number four fantasy season of all the running backs. And then he gets rewarded with him taking Etienne. Yeah. So it's going to be a good one-two punch. It keeps him fresh. You need two guys, right? And they've got Carlos Hyde as a number three. Uh, that's a pretty good number three, if you're asking me. And this O-line deserves to be mentioned. Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, Jawan Taylor, AJ Can. This is a, a premier group. Don't get me wrong. This is a top 10 group. I expect them to be a top 10 group. If they finish outside of the top 10, then what a, what a mess. Because these these are all blue chip guys. The other Josh Allen, a defensive end. I like what they have a defense, right? Um, yeah. I mean, Trey Herndon. I mean, they, they went big on CJ Henderson last year in the draft. Like you said, brought in Shaq Griffin. Uh, Griffin's brother's out there still looking for work. Maybe they bring him in. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I like where they're going. I like the building blocks they've put in place. I like where this team could be in three years, but do I think they're going to compete very much in in the AFC South this year. No, I don't. Do I think they're better than Houston? Yeah, I do. yeah But by much, probably not. But when you have like, since day one of this podcast, I've been preaching O-line, winning the game in the trenches, O-line, D-line. You give me an O-line like this, you give me a blue-chip quarterback like that, generational blue-chip quarterback, running back like that, those wideouts, I don't even care what you have on defense, man. And they do have some talent on defense. So this offense, if everything goes right, man, they could win some shootout ball games for sure. They could win some 40-40, you know, 50-50 games, right? But if it's like a 13-10 game where they need their defense to go out and have some, you know big stops. Uh, I'm not sure they're there yet. Uh
0: you mentioned our friend Joe Burrow. Really interesting week for Thursday night matchup. Uh the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am interested to watch that game. The last two number 1 picks overall playing in primetime on a short week, no doubt.
1: Yep, that's always good marketing. That's always a a good story. Networks will always exhaust that. One thing we do have to mention, though, before we move on from Jacksonville, Tim Tebow, right? Like, as I look at number three on the tight
0: end. Do have to mention it? Well, no, yeah, I think we do
1: because it's one of the bigger stories. And uh, he's going to make this team. Like, right now, he's third on the tight end depth chart. That doesn't even fucking matter. I I, I really do feel like Urban Meyer is going to use this guy kind of like how uh, Sean Payton was using... uh, White boy there. I was <laughs> having a slip of the name there. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, we'll get to that preview show when we get to it. Um and famous Jameis is gonna start over him anyway, so it's not it's a moot point. But Tim Tebow will be a Swiss Army knife here for Urban Meyer and the Jags. I think he's gonna make the team, I think they're gonna use him at halfback, fullback, tight end, goal line QB. I think he's gonna do a bit of everything now from a fantasy perspective from Trevor Lawrence, that's another tick down, I think, because Tim Tebow could vulture maybe four or five goal line touchdowns this year, a uh, you know, maybe Cam Newton, uh, you know, for his running backs over the years. Uh, so keep that in mind. But I, I do think Tebow makes the team. And one final note on Urban Meyer, I don't expect him to still have this job in year three, year four. I don't expect he's going to be fired. I just... He usually kind of burns out after year two and then blames it on health stuff. I've never been told what that health stuff is. I don't know if he has high blood pressure, clogged arteries, heart issues, family of you know, family history of this or that. I don't know what it is, but this is gonna be a little more stressful than what he had at Florida and Ohio State. And if he thinks he's just gonna coast in here come year three and four and everything's going to be fine dandy. I don't know, man. I I could see him doing uh, uh, a Nick Saban. Maybe not heading back to college, but just saying, you know what? I've made my money. What do I need this agita for? Fuck this. Throwing up his hands and saying whatever. That's my prediction for Urban Meyer. I think he's going to build, like Steve Eisenman did for Tampa. He's going to build a big program, good program, but then hand it off. We'll see.
0: Uh, Last thing on the Jaguars, just a little nugget from Football Outsiders again. Uh, There is a lot to prove from this defense. Quote, the Jaguars defense was near the bottom of the league in broken tackles, 135 the fifth most, and average yards allowed after the catch, 5.8 29th overall. That is the kind of shit that will drive coaches crazy, and that is the kind of shit that will get coaches fired, which is what happened. We'll see what happens with a new squad. Your pick to win the division, the Tennessee Titans. Did they have some losses in the offseason? Sure. Corey Davis got overpaid by the jets. Yeah.
1: You mentioned Chris Conley earlier, another jet pickup.
0: Desmond King went to the Texans. Jadavion Clowney, who almost never played went to the browns so <laughs> yes there were people that left i don't know did tennessee have any additions i guess if you consider julio jones yeah an addition sure yeah. uh and also bud dupree given 16 and a half million dollars a year to take yep. over for Jadavion Clowney. and you know last year uh dupree outproduced clowny is that a long-term thing you know you and i've talked a lot about like how productive are you going to be across from tj watt versus being across from mm-hmm. someone else with that said yeah. ryan Tannehill's a very good quarterback and as good a quarterback as ryan Tannehill is derrick henry is a very good running back um aj brown is really fucking good And the offensive line there, Taylor Lewan and all have been pretty good over the years. So the addition of uh, Dupree and they, of course, added Janoris Jenkins as well, which I think was really important for them to shore up their cornerback situation. They're going to have a rookie starting on the other side, the 22 overall pick caleb farley uh
1: yeah he's got a neck issue they're hoping to get him back uh you like when they took him it was always kind of thinking maybe we have to redshirt this kid uh okay. because if you if he would have been healthy man he was flying off the board like top seven so they got a real good deal on him it's kind of like when they took jeffrey simmons they redshirted him and we all right. know what a b simmons is now for them so
0: so i have been saying to you for two years now i think the issue with tennessee Obviously not their coach, Uh, but I think the issue with Tennessee is really just the defense. That offense can produce. They score. um, They had an abundance of scoring last year. I expect that trend to continue. You have to worry about play action with this team more than any other, I would say, almost. And therefore, you know they're going to score points. The issue is just the defense. I don't believe they did enough to shore it up. I feel about Tennessee the way you feel about Indy. I think the team is good. I believe in Mike Vrabel. I don't think they're good enough to win the conference or pardon me, win the division. Uh, You think they do. What else do you think about this team?
1: I just think they have enough to get it done. Certainly on offense. uh, I love uh buyer to safety. I, I love them bringing in George Jenkins. I didn't like them letting a Jackson walk, but I, you know, I can understand why they did it. You know, it was a, a top pick of theirs who was kind of floundering and, and not really, uh, and he was hurt at times, but I think he's going to be big for the Giants. So stay tuned on that one. Um, but well, with the Caleb Farley pick, I mean, this time next year they they could be laughing all the way to the bank with him. Hopefully, they get at least half of a rookie season out of him. Scary injury, injury because when it's the neck, you know, you, you got to uh, got to take it easy, uh, especially when they're young. Uh, I still love Jay, Jayon Brown inside at linebacker. Of course, Bud Dupree in town, Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry. My thoughts about Jeffrey Simmons are well known on this podcast. I I think outside of maybe Donald and Buckner, Simmons quietly might be the third best defensive tackle in the league. I like him that much. Uh, Game changer for them. Truly believe that going forward. I do have concerns about the Jonu Smith loss. Uh, that, That was a huge pickup for New England. Of course, they brought in Hunter Henry as well. Tennessee seems to really like this Anthony Ferkser guy. Now, in limited action last year, anytime Jonah Smith missed time, Firkser looked good. Uh, good hands, decent blocker. But, I mean, not exactly a clean bill of health always. Could miss some time. And it sounds like Delaney Walker is out there trying to uh, find work Uh, set out last year because of COVID. Um, Of course, former 49ers Titans tight end. I think it's a marriage. It makes too much sense for this marriage not to happen. I I expect Delaney Walker to be on this roster, maybe even by next week's preview show. I I think it's a responsible thing for them to do at tight end knows the system, gives them depth, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, we got to mention their wideouts, AJ Brown, across from Julio Jones. I mean, it's almost not even fair from a physicality point of view. I mean, yep. two of the most ripped just Greek God bodies that wide out. I mean, it's not even, and one thing about AJ Brown, I know it was a big story this week about how Tom Brady played with a torn MCL. Like as if he was the first one ever to do it, which is absolutely ridiculous. I tore my MCL playing high school football. I was back for the homecoming game in like week five. You know what I mean? Like, where's my, but of course I didn't go on to win a Super Bowl. Right. So I, I get <laughs> that it adds to the legacy. I get that it adds to the story, but anyone to think that Tom Brady was the first to do that is uh, reckless and doesn't know their NFL history. Reason I bring it up. It sounds like AJ Brown is crazy as what he did. Healthy last year. He did it compromised. It sounds like he had an issue, knee issues of his own that he played through that he toughed through and put down pro bowl numbers. So, if A.J. Brown, as he claims, is back to 100%, I'm very scared for opposing defenses, what he can do, especially with, like, I get that Corey Davis is gone, but anybody who thinks Corey Davis was attracting more secondary attention than Julio Jones is going to, like, you want to you bet A.J. Brown's going to see a lot more single coverage this year. Yeah, And you know what? If they want to do double, if they want to double A.J. Brown, it's pick your poison. It's, that means it's single on Julia, right? So Ryan Tannehill, you just got to find one of these guys. You don't got to find them both on the same play. You just need to find one of them. You're going to be all right. I don't even think I need to mention the running back position. Derek 2K Henry. I mean, the guy's a beast. They know what to do. Vrabel knows what to do with them. This team is going to be just where we saw them the past two years. Playing football late into the year and in contention. I don't think they're going to make the AFC title game. I don't think they're going to win the AFC title crown. But I think they're going to win the AFC South.
0: As much as I dislike this team on Pinnacle, they're offering over under nine with the over at minus 134. So you get a free half game from Pinnacle. Uh and I have put a few shekels on that. Uh because that means they would have to go sub five hundred to lose that bet, right? I push at nine, uh mm-hmm. eight and nine is a yep. loss. So I don't I don't see them being sub five hundred. I will also say if there is one Player in the league, I am not happy about a seventeen game season for the most. It is Derrick Henry. This is not a team that seems to manage his usage particularly carefully. And I think it might hurt his longevity. We'll might. see. He was used a, yeah. He was used a lot last year. Yeah. Um but they I, also
1: don't care, right? Like they Yeah. The way they looked at it, they've paid him and now he's gonna they're gonna let him go earn his money, right? I mean.
0: Yep. I get that, but it might be just one or two years left you have. Like, I, as you know, I, I participated in a 10-team, uh, 27-round dynasty draft the other night. Mm-hmm. And when my eighth overall pick came around, Henry was on the board, and I took him, but not without some consternation because the mm-hmm. usage, you know, is this a guy I really only have for two years, whereas I could have gone and uh, even taken Najee Harris or something like that, right? Eric Henry
1: has five more elite seasons at least in him left. He'll age like Adrian Peterson. He I really will.
0: hope so. I sincerely hope so.
1: He will. He will. Um,
0: all right. So I think usually when we finish a division, we're going to rank them one through four, but our rankings have become very clear here. Can,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Can I say one last thing about the Titans? I'm seeing Josh Reynolds. I forgot that they brought him over from the Rams. That was a guy that I thought Sean McVay didn't use enough in LA and I'm excited for him. I know he was looking at a much bigger opportunity before Julio came to town, right? Yeah. Like Josh Reynolds was supposed to be the direct replacement for Corey Davis, but Josh Reynolds is your number three. Uh, I think you're doing real well there. And I, I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned his no, name. I think, I'm a fan. I
0: think that's fair. And third wide receivers are being used far more often. Yeah. If anything, oh he gets a better yeah. matchup on the, oh God. On, on the corner side. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What I was saying was, I think we both know where we stand on this. I've got Indy first. You've got Tennessee first. The opposite, we both have second. And then Jacksonville, then Houston in last. All right. Let's take a quick look at both this weekend's UFC and the card prior. We haven't talked since UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor. Um, Yeah. Let's start with the, the main event here. McGregor breaks his ankle mm-hmm. if i remember correctly like yeah whatever uh, we want to call it
1: yeah i think it was like a like a, it was a tibia injury but i don't know if it was cracked or yeah. it wasn't compound it didn't break the skin but it yeah. was obviously dislocated so bad.
0: I, you know obviously they're gonna try to line up a fourth fight you know, good for them. Do whatever you got to do. I'll tell you, I'm tired of hearing McGregor whining and bitching about whatever the hell. Like, it's over, dude. If your leg can't even stay together. Now there's talk that, like, oh, he injured it in camp first. Well, if mm. that if that was true, then he shouldn't have come to the fucking fight because no. this was going to be a leg kick-heavy thing. Mm-hmm. He came out and whipped out some leg kicks. One or two of them got checked. Yeah. Poirier says when he checked one, he felt something weird happen. Yeah,
1: he, he pointed at him, yeah. Um,
0: You got to acknowledged that Poirier won that first round. I think most people agree that if Connor was going to win that fight, he was going to need to win the first round. Yep. I I think it's over. I don't have interest in seeing Poirier McGregor four. I'm sure they're going to try to make it happen, especially yep. if Poirier gets the belt around his waist, mm-hmm. but they've got McGregor ranked at what seven now. And I feel like that might still be generous. There's some of those, you know, if you look at some of the guys in that range, I'm like, I'd actually like, let's maybe see some of those fights. Then you want McGregor, you want to say that you still belong here. Um, How about, you know, you go out there and fight Islam, Makhachev who fought last night and looked um, destructive. Right.
1: Yeah. McGregor will not be
0: fighting. I'll take a Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler fight. You know, like,
1: That one, that that one could happen. Yeah, but like
0: you, you say you're legit. That's cool. You don't get to go to Poirier though.
1: Like you mm, should have no. to beat
0: Gace G or Chandler or yeah. even Tony Ferguson at this point. To be honest, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: I I don't think there's anything to see in a fourth fight, right? I mean, yeah. the way number two and three ended. Um, there's a lot going on with that Conor thing. Like first of all, I didn't think in the moment. I find sometimes with Cog with Connor, I get these rose-colored glasses on, and I didn't think he was getting his ass kicked as bad. Like I went back and watched it again, yeah, and he re- like, it was worse than I thought it was. Um, the mistake Connor made was going for that guillotine, yeah, and like completely selling out for the guillotine and going willingly on his back like that, like. I'm really curious to see what would have happened if he would have just like, cause like you said, he came out kicking, he came out, you know, striking well. And if he would have just stayed on his feet, I would have been curious to see what happened. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there was even some speculation that Connor went for that guillotine because like you said, he had stress fractured his, his leg and he knew it like, and so like that was kind of his backup plan it was, oh my god, I can't stand with them. I'm gonna have to try to finish from here. Either way. Yeah. There's so many things I have to say. Um we'll get to the promo he cut in the ring in a second, I guess. Uh but I mean as Cheryl Sonnen put it, Connor left that ring broken. Like like Dustin, like sure it was a bad step and a twist, and it was really like the step to the mat that that really was the final blow, but I mean, Dustin beat him up to the point that his body broke, like literally broken half, right? So, I mean, I, I just don't know what there's to say. As far as uh, the things Connor was saying as he was sitting there, uh, you know, as the medics were attending to his leg and Rogan first asked him, rightly so, do you want to speak, right? Before he put the mic in his face. A lot of people were disgusted about what he said about uh, Pori's wife and, and all that stuff. I'm with my buddy Chael Sonnen. I think it was brilliant by Connor. I think where most guys would have been either in tears or going into shock, Connor had the sense to completely set up his next fight and, and start marketing for the next one. Right. I mean, the guy is, you'd be hard pressed to find a better marketer in the sport. I mean, the guy can cut a promo even with a, with basically a compound fracture. So didn't have an issue with that. Um, the last couple of days though, Connor's been putting out some pretty weird stuff. And you have to think, uh, maybe some painkillers involved. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah. It's as the days go on and every day it's a new excuse, it's a new reason, it's a new interpretation. Now he's saying that, well, Poirier didn't wanna he was beating up Poirier so bad from his back that Poirier didn't want anything to do with it, which, I mean, is not really rude in reality. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I'm just i not sure there's much to see there, but that will, you know, Poirier is in the business of getting paid and making money, and, and there's a lot of money. That Conor Poirier was the second best ever pay-per-view numbers-wise fight of the UFC's history, right? And the other top five are all Conor cards. So that fight will happen. I'm I'm not sure what order. I mean, Connor's gonna have to go away. That's the other thing. We're looking at another long layoff here for Connor, right? I mean, he took that long layoff. You're not getting better during that layoff, you're getting worse. So he might even be a notch worse when we see him a year from now, right? Um, and God knows where we are, right? Like even if Dustin does win against Oliveira, maybe then he loses his his first title defense and you know. Well as Dana said, you know, when Connor's ready to come back, we'll have to reassess the division and see where we are in the sport and make our decision then. Um I do want to mention the Greg Hardy Tui Vasa fight though, sure. if you're ready to get onto that.
0: Yeah, I was I, I was gonna do Burns first, but sure. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, No. Um just quickly on the Tui Vasa Hardy one. We all knew it wasn't going the distance. Yeah. And surely did it not go the distance, right? Like, uh, of all the fights that night on that loaded card, the loudest I got watching that those fights by myself was when Hardy got knocked out. Well, and because cause it looked it, like
0: it, he was about to knock yeah, out high. Yeah, it, it
1: was like the Dracar Close, Benny Darius meme of Rogan, DC, and Anik going nuts. Because on that one, Daryush had hurt Close. Close was on skates. Tui Vasa was on skates. You saw him smiling. When a guy gets hit and he smiles, you know he's hurt. Tui Vasa was on skates. Tui Vasa was hurt. But then Hardy made the mistake of going for the jugular and going for the kill. And against a guy like Tui Vasa, who's been in street fight after street fight, like, you don't don't do that, right? And (laughs) just the way he clipped him there with the left on the nose, man. And Hardy immediately just sat right down, right? Like, just killed his legs out. Uh, That was a good sight. And back to my prediction before the fight, Dana did say in the post-fight presser, he was uncertain about Hardy's future, right? Because, I mean, if you can't beat Taibura, you can't beat Volkov, you can't beat Tuivasa. And then
0: they put him in here with a guy who's not even going to think about wrestling him.
1: Exactly. 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 So... We can't put him in with Derek Lewis or Blades or, you know, like he, if he can't beat the tier two guys, we can't put him in with the tier one guys. Yeah. And we all know he can beat the tier three guys. So if I'm Dana, I don't know, man, any day now for Greg Hardy to get released, that would not surprise me. Because what are they going to do with him?
0: From Okay, well, from a sport perspective, if you're running a sports league, he should be released. If yeah. you're running a business yeah that's true people still want to see him fight and do they want to see him fight or do they want to see him get knocked the fuck out? yeah i yeah you keep him on the roster nah. and you keep having him fight tier two tier one guys don't let him fight anymore the tier three yeah. guys be like no we know you can do that
1: yeah tier two guys who stand up
0: yeah we're gonna we're gonna bring <laughs> yeah. in a bunch of guys here who are gonna knock you the fuck out yeah and, yeah and we'll see how that goes for you
1: yeah yeah and uh yeah man i uh I, I was very audible. I, I sh- Now, I did have some money on it. I won't lie. But I did shoot out of my seat. And, you know, like when you're watching a comedy and you laugh out loud by yourself, you know it's really fun, right? Yeah. And, like, when you're verbal at a knockout by yourself, like, that's when I really knew, oh, shit, that just stole the night from me. Uh, what do you want to say about Burns?
0: A boring fight. Like, yeah, wildly boring fight. Yeah, it and, it like, a Burns Burns wins. I think there was one that had 30-27, which I didn't say. I, Like, I thought Thompson had it thought it yep. should have been 29-28 across the board if uh maybe I'm not remembering that right but that's that is how I remember that fight. Um Steven Thompson I thought frankly was better than that and he just might not be. Mm. Uh he
1: had Adam he had Burns hurt at one point. Yeah. But the problem is Burns a tough guy and he's great on the ground and he knows that if he gets rocked to just hug you and Bring you to the ground so he can recover.
0: Yeah, uh, correction. It was twenty nine, twenty eight across the board. So I must have been thinking of another uh, another fight earlier. Uh, oh, the Max Griffin fight was the one that I thought that. in. So, you know, I, there. My main thoughts on this card are the Gilbert Burns fight. Like Gilbert Burns is not interesting to watch, and I don't imagine he's going to be in contention anytime soon. I still think Sean O'Malley's a clown. I think it's time to put him in there with Marlon Vera. Oh my god. Um. I I mean,
1: shout out to the Chris Moutinho guy he fought, right? Tough guy.
0: So it it was interesting because someone asked Dana, like, did you think that stoppage was wrong? And he he was like, no, they could have stopped in the second round. And I I actually kind of follow that logic to the extent of if we are going to stop fights under the context of we know you're not going to win the fight and you're taking too much damage, then that's fine. But you don't need to wait till 4:33 of the third round to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I,
1: yeah, once you hit that 4:30 mark,
0: like let a guy go out yeah. on his shield at that point. You know, yeah. I'd even say like four it's, minutes, three and a half. Like you know, at some point, it's like if you let it go this far, you just let it go. Um, and, and I am
1: glad. I am glad that you did mention the go out on your shield line though, because someone did bring up this week that there was a a, a ref. Uh, a lot of people remember her name Mario Yamasaki, who at the end of a fight, when they said, "Why didn't you call the fight earlier?" He said, "I wanted to let her go out on her shield." He never refed another fight since that quote. Right. So I guess that's the scary territory with guys like Herb Dean. Yep. It's like we can't ref it because we feel like they're owed thirty more seconds. And, because if someone gets killed in that thirty, you know what I mean? Like, sure.
0: But what if, like, what if? Chris lands a punch in that 30 seconds and has yeah, a win yeah. against O'Malley and a career Absolutely. in the UFC after Absolutely. that, right? So Absolutely. it kind of goes both ways there. Yep.
1: And like you said, the only thing left for O'Malley is you got to start giving them rank killers or else yep. what are we doing
0: here? Vera is the most obvious fight in the yep. planet for me here. Like, yep.
1: Uh, Run that one back and then, yeah, give him a top five guy if he, if he can get to Vera. Yeah. So you can write that wrong.
0: Yeah, he wants to say he's undefeated. He should have to, you know, do something to to let all that shit talk happen.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Can I just throw a tiny thing in here on Nagano before we move on? Yeah. So we talked last time about the six-week thing, that it was kind of fucked of the UFC, that if Nagano said he'd fight in September to... You, you know force it for August and, and that didn't make any sense the picture has become a little more clear for me now because they have now announced the September pay-per-view and it is of course uh, Volkanovsky Ortega which is the culmination of the Ultimate Fighter reality series yeah. so that was always going to be the September pay-per-view and so I think you have to wonder if Nagano's camp was being sincere in saying like oh yeah yeah well we'll fight in September too it's like well you can't fight in September that one's spoken for so what you're really saying now is October Um, and, and I think that kind of changes the calculation about how we think about that that Nagano's camp might have just been being strategic in suggesting something that they knew could never happen in the first place um and then just the last note uh on, on UFC things, that the early prelims, Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I was a banger of a fight, and I stand by the fact that should have been on the main card. Um having two unranked guys in O'Malley and Muhuno fight when you've got Maya and Jessica I, you know, on the early prelims, absolutely silly stuff. Um anything from last night that you learned? In the uh, UFC Fight Night, Makachev versus Moises card.
1: I was I got off work a bit late, so I didn't see as much of it as I wanted to. Um, but definitely the result I expected in the main event. Yeah. Um, this guy's the real deal. Uh, of course, Habib has come out and said that he is the future um of course he saw habib in his corner there last night another guy that was in his corner which kind of pisses me off was uh, one of the guys that jumped into the crowd or no sorry that jumped into the octagon the night that habib went into the crowd and he was one of the guys that sucker punched connor in the octagon when everything was happening like in the frenzy and that night at the post-fight presser dana said yeah that guy will never fight again in the ufc He was then pulled from the UFC Moncton card, and I'm coming to you from Moncton tonight, that's why I remember this. Uh, Artem Lobov was also pulled from that card, right? Because Artem Lobov was a part of the mess. But what gets me is this uh, Zubari Tukumarov guy, he was in the corner there last night, cornering Makachev with Habib, and he has since fought in the UFC, so like, good work on that one, Dana. Like, coming out and saying the guy will never fight again, and then like, you know, skip yeah. what I, you know, like, it's nice to know that you really stood by your word there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, not too many thoughts about last night. Misha Tate making her return up to four years off. She obviously looked really good. Um, yeah, but we'll how was her happens. fighting? What's that?
0: I said, yeah, but how was her fighting? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, no, I, I thought her fighting was great. She, I, I thought she looked really good and very well spoken. I didn't expect mm-hmm. her to be that educated in her post uh fight interviews uh, i was very blown away by uh, some of the vocabulary she was using um and yeah jeremy stevens lost a quick fight i mean how this guy's still in the, uh, the company uh, i don't really get it but I'm all good i thought there was
0: yeah i think he's just there as Fodder, but it's also yep. like Gamrot looks so good. Every yeah, time I see Gamrot, I'm just yep. like, this guy's gonna murder someone one
1: day. Yep. You yeah, you don't see many of those types of missions. Uh, that's like the one that you do to like your like you see people doing to their kid brother, like, yeah, say uncle, say uncle, yeah, yeah. And of course, Jeremy Stevens did say uncle last night because if he didn't, he was gonna have, he his was his not gonna have an arm. on his back, no, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, um, looking forward to next week though. I am pumped about the Corey Sanhagen, uh, TJ Dillashaw main event you want a guy that's easy to root against tj snake Dillashaw. so did he go I, or
0: something how does he no. come in unranked versus the number two fighter i don't understand because, what that's about
1: it's because he had the title okay okay so he was trying to the night that he fought henry Suhudo which was the first espn pay-per-view like fresh espn deal okay the night he lost to Suhudo, he was trying to become champ champ
0: okay. because
1: he had gone down a weight class. Okay. And everyone kept saying, man, how did he get that weight off? Look how good he looks, all this stuff. And then of course he gets popped for basically the filthiest steroid you can injectors like dead to rights. Okay. Right. Um, And then has to, I can't eat time flies, man, because he was given a two year suspension. I can't even believe and that suspension's been up for like four or five months now, too. So right. that's the crazy thing, right? Like the fact that he's already, because when that happened, people were like, oh my God, his career's over. Like, forget about him. And you no, know, two years and he's back. But there was speculation that he was coming back into a title fight, which I said on this show, I can't stomach that. Yeah. I, I can't, like, how are you going to, the guy cheated. We caught him dead to rights. He was in there cheating in a sport where you can take, people's quality of life away like this isn't life they're exactly or they're like exactly right like this isn't darts or golf right and then we're gonna reward him by having him come right back into a title fight like what kind of fucking precedent is that gonna set yeah so i'm glad that he at least has to have a number one contenders fight first because i I couldn't stomach him coming right back to a title fight even this i don't think is right i think he should have to go fight a number five guy first and Maybe even have two fights before he gets a number one contenders fight. Um, but at the end of the day, he was a champ. He never lost his belt. So that's the other side to it, right? It's like, we have a responsibility. It's kind of like the Nagano thing. Like, you have a responsibility to put him in with people who can effectively defend themselves, or someone's going to get hurt type thing. Yeah, As uh, he did to Cody Garbrandt when they trained together, I guess. Um so, yeah, Sanhagen, Dillashaw, a lot of buzz. Big fight for these guys because the winner is obviously going to go fight for the title. Um, I hope Sanhagen gets his hand raised, but I kind of expect Dillashaw to. But then again, we haven't seen him fight clean, so maybe he's got nothing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I. But he's hungry. I am super pumped for Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber. Okay, I think you know Maverick. We've been watching you and I. I think with the some level of adoration for a little while because she's just been out there crushing everyone yep. she faces.
1: And the company favorite Macy Barber.
0: Exactly. Uh, Barber lost her last fight, so like she did. You know,
1: which and I came on air and I said, "Do not. If that was someone else, maybe worry about it. But with Macy Barber, she's going to be just fine because she's she's basically the female Sugar Sean at this point."
0: Yeah, but it's funny that you go from like, you know. Co-main at UFC 258 to uh, fifth card on yeah. the fight on a yeah. on a fight night. You know,
1: you got to uh, get wins, right? Like and even that's it. even if you are a company darling, you you know flags fly forever. You got to get your hand raised. Now, if she loses this fight, she's in trouble. Yeah, not not in trouble release, but you know you don't want to be working. She's working her way down the wrong way of the card. You're supposed to work your way up, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm actually really interested to see what odds are being offered on that yeah. fight
1: because. No, I I'm pretty sure when I saw last week she was the underdog, and I was like, oh geez, watch out there.
0: Yeah, I I mean, yeah, not not a huge underdog, but Maverick minus one sixty versus her minus one thirty. So yeah, mm-hmm. they they think it's competitive, but no, yep. she's in trouble. and we all
1: and we all know if Barbara gets the jump here, uh, her next fight will probably be another co-main event, right? So. Yeah.
0: Maverick though, like what a great story. This kid. I think finish school like basically just kind of goes in and out of going to university and then coming back and beating the shit out of people and going to university. Um, So I don't know if she's graduated yet,
1: but good scheme because uh, when you're an enrolled student, you get access to the gym for free. So maybe it's just about getting free training, right? Yeah.
0: So we'll we'll see how it goes. Like real, every fight that I've seen her in, she's looked really good. Her losses came in Invicta. They were both decisions. So, you know, I, I don't want to... Uh, I, I didn't watch the fights. They might have been legitimate losses. But you also just wonder sometimes with these guys, like, decisions in Invicta. It's like, who knows what fucking judges you got out there, right? Um, But she did learn she has to finish because she's been finishing a lot since then. Uh, anything else on... Next week's card that you have any interest in? I don't see a lot else here. That's
1: the the Derek my I, I don't know if it's Miner or Minner. I think it's Minner. Derek Minner. Um, okay. I've been a fan of his. He has exciting fights, and I've heard of Darren Alkins. So I'll I'll be looking uh, I'll be looking forward to that fight. I think Minner's probably going to get the uh, the jump on him. Um, third last fight of the night: Kyler Phillips, uh, Rolian Pava. Not even sure I've heard of either. Yeah. so uh, I'm not sure why that fight is that high on the card but anyway stay yeah. tuned I guess we'll find out
0: it might just be bangers young guys 26-25 yeah. see what it looks like Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last time that we spoke I said to you uh, I don't want to say the last time we spoke the last time we were on the air I said to you
1: hmm.
0: well the Suns are winning game 2 and so clearly they're going to beat the Mavericks and we're going to have to stop talking about Chris Paul choking uh, it is now late Sunday night. Chris Paul has lost three consecutive games. Of course, Come not on. by him. No, of course, up. not by himself. The Phoenix Suns have lost three consecutive games. But is there a world where we ever stop talking about Chris Paul choking, or are we about to see one of the greatest clutch narratives we've ever seen in all of sports?
1: The only way I can answer that question is to say that I've never lived in a world where Chris Paul choking was really that big of a conversation. I mean, he has, he might not have a history of winning NBA titles, but I don't ever remember him getting like up in a, in a conference finals and just collapsing unless I'm not remembering something correctly. I, I the Clippers, I mean, they've done, some they've years,
0: done a lot of three, two. Yeah,
1: there were, yeah, there were some years with the Clippers uh, in the Blake years that they probably should have, Maybe gone deeper in the playoffs, but the West has been loaded basically my whole life, so I can give them a the pass. That San Antonio was still doing things back then. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see CP3 get a ring, but I feel a lot about Drew Holiday too. And, and seeing the game that Drew Holiday had last night and that play to end the game, the alley oop to, to the Greek freak. Uh, I mean, you know, good for Drew Holiday, man. Uh, I like him a lot. Um, I'd like to see Phoenix win the, the next game and it go seven, but it's going to be a tall order to win two straight, right? I mean, you got to like Milwaukee's chances right now. And uh, part owner Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure uh, quite happy about things.
0: Where are we looking right now for the winner of the uh, American League East? Is it the New York Yankees? Is it the current leader, Boston Red Sox? Mm. Are the Rays going to do Rays things? Or are the Toronto Blue Jays, who scored 10 runs in the first inning today uh, and ended up winning the game 10 nothing? are the Toronto Blue Jays the best team in the AL East and no one wants to talk about it?
1: Yeah, they very well could be. I'm starting to come to reality that the Yankees are probably not going to win the ALEs, but I don't think the Red Sox are going to win it. So I give me the raise of the Jays. Yeah. I, I don't think the Red Sox are going to hold on to that lead. I don't think their pitching is going to keep it going. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Martin Perez is the dark horse. Side, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think he is, but. Yeah, I think the Rays and the Jays are going to get things going. I mean, geez, the Rays are only what one bin, one win behind, so I think they'll be alright. Yeah, I think, I think the, the Rays J-
0: end up taking it, but
1: yeah, I think the Jays. I think the Jays are going to finish strong and give everyone a, a run for it. We'll see. Uh, but, I mean, the Yankees. Uh, you know, they got to start playing better. It, there's a lot of issues, right? And <laughs> decreased spin rates might have something to do with it. Yep. Uh
0: Yankees playing right now but uh overall on the year negative 1 run differential not what you would have expected to see from the New York Yankees. No. no. Uh White Sox plus 124. Not what you expected to see from the Chicago White Sox. No, no. That was a short rebuild, eh?
1: It was. It was a very short rebuild. Uh much like how I was talking about the Phoenix Suns and and the Atlanta Hawks and how crazy, to me, uh, finals that would have been. Uh, I feel the same way about the White Sox in baseball. I mean, speedy, speedy rebuilds. And I see that they rewarded Lance Lynn with a a new two-year extension yesterday. Uh, A guy that I've always rooted for. You know, we started hot with the Cardinals and then he had one or two down years. Didn't really work out with the Yankees as they'd hope, but then Minnesota and Texas and now Chicago. And I'm telling you, man, guy can pitch. And the young guys, they got behind them, man. Uh, I love that rotation. I love that core. They haven't even got anything out of Eloy Jimenez this year, and he was a big star from last year. Not to mention Jose Abreu, the reigning AL MVP. He hasn't even really heated up yet. I can tell you that first thing, because I got him on one of my fantasy teams. But yeah, I like the White Sox a lot.
0: All right, anything? Oh, you know, you wanted to mention uh, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, just won the British Open. It was his first time playing in the frigging tournament. Man, this guy is what Jordan Spieth was supposed to be. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to go on here and tell you Morikawa is the next Tiger Woods or the next Phil Mickelson, but. You know, with Bryson DeChambeau blaming his club manufacturer more than his actual game, I like Morikawa over the next five, six, ten years to rattle off the most majors. I really do. I I I think Colin Morikawa, as we get a little further down the line here, is going to continue to become more and more of a household name because he's going to keep winning golf tournaments. I I. I mentioned his name about six months ago on this show just offhandedly. I I really, every time I see him, and and just the fact that he came from behind to win this British Open, and it was the first time playing in the tournament. The guy is a genius. He makes adjustments on the spot, on the fly, and you couple that with premier elite talent. He's, he's a total package. He really is. And with youth on his side, I think... Uh, I think in a couple of years we're going to be maybe talking about him uh, like people talk about you know say Rory McIlroy or you know stuff like that. So we'll see what he does, but that's just stay tuned on him. And uh, for all those hardcores out there that I offended earlier, yeah, I know who Taysom Hill is. Of course, we all know who Taysom Hill. Is oh, did on I not show. plug
0: that back in? Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, yeah,
1: like, like a you know we've mentioned Taysom Hill and we've talked about Taysom Hill more times than I can even recount on the show. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, like we are starting the preview shows now, but right now on your NFL calendar is probably the, the dead area where, you know, some names, you know, and I'll be 35 this week. Right. So cut me some slack. I, you know, I can't come up with the names like I could uh, 10 years ago. Um, but, yeah, of course I know who Taysom Hill is. We are, we we are, are still do I,
0: eight Sundays away.
1: Yeah. Do I think Taysom Hill is going to win the starting job? No, I don't. I think it's going to be Famous Jameis. Um, but we'll leave that one until until uh, we get to it. All right. I just got really distracted by a, a Cardinals. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that when we get to the Cardinals. Division.
0: Shohei Otani, 34 home runs now.
1: Yeah. So. And if what I mentioned last week is true, that he is still yet to take a batting practice, I mean, it's phenomenal. I'll tell you,
0: he looked at, I don't know if you watched that home run derby, but the first minute and a half of his first round, it was almost like he didn't know what he was doing in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with it, right? Yeah. Um, There are some guys who if they miss two days of batting practice, their timing's gone. They can't do anything, right? Like there's some guys that need daily BP. Most guys need daily BP, right? I mean, yeah the guy is a unicorn position wise and it turns out preparation wise too and uh shout out to him he made i think 150 grand bonus from his participation in the derby and he donated it to the angel staff um and i think it goes as low as low as like you know people who work the ticket kiosk shit like that and yeah. he said his plan, even if he had won the $1 million prize was that Pete to- Alonso had gotten, yeah, that was the plan. So um, I know he's not short on money because we all know his Japanese endorsements alone back home sure. probably pay everybody's nut, right? Um, but that's a that's a real cool thing to do.
0: But I don't know. This guy, you know, he's a big smiler. And he loves yeah, when he's out there and he's having fun, and it's just... Yeah. No, it's good for the game. Yeah. It really is. He's this guy. This guy's a big win for MLB, and it's, it goes without saying. But Stephen A. Smith's comments were pretty fucking stupid, honestly. Like,
1: well, give me a second to ask you about those, yeah. uh, because I do want to get it off my chest that I don't think Otani's arm is going to hold up long term. Sure. I mean, we've already seen him have the shoulder and the elbow trouble, and I think he's having a good stretch here. I do think still, and I know people don't want to hear it, but I do think still at some point. Once those arm troubles do crop back up, the angels are going to just, just say, "Hey, look, man, yeah, go smack DH. the ball yeah, for a yeah, while. You're, yeah, you're 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 a DH, and and you know that's it. And you're a DH, and yeah. we'll move on with our lives. Yeah. Um. What Stephen A. Smith said.
0: So Stephen A. Smith basically said, "Well, you can't market a guy that you need a translator for. So this guy's not going to be a big star because you, uh, yeah, you, you know, yeah, you need a
1: translator." And it's, we've all heard, we've all heard my Charles Oliveira takes about how you know. He can't speak a lick of English, et cetera, et cetera.
0: But here's the th- like: I think it is a different thing if the guy is not already the biggest star in the game. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, like, exactly. Yep. If you want to come out and say that shit about a guy who no one knows or talks about yeah. and he's flying under the radar and you think he should be a big star, I like actually have some time for that conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know, people labeled it as racist. And I think in that context, I don't know if it's, it's actually kind of points out the the racism of the general public that you know if a person yeah. is unable yeah. to Can't accept somebody's english. greatness if they don't yeah. speak english yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know really absolutely. What you're
1: putting in. absolutely and you know what like i said the money this guy's making back home man just selling <laughs> like japanese only products yeah. products that we've never even heard of dude
0: the amount of money like hollywood celebrities make going over to japan oh and, my like, God. hawking shit yeah. that we've never yeah. heard of right yeah
1: schwarzenegger selling you know like uh dish soap i i've literally seen those style of commercials stallone selling like you know noodles and stuff
0: yeah so i mean the whole uh the the movie uh with bill murray and Scarlet lost in translation Alliance and lost in translation is basically Scarlet just about George. that, you know? Yep. Um But the Stephen A Smith thing, like it is racist. If the guy is the biggest star in the game and the thing that everybody is already tuning into. And then you say shit like that. It doesn't make any sense. So um, well,
1: it makes sense to the level that we're talking about Stephen A Smith right now. You know well, what I mean? Like, exactly, I think yeah. he, I think he says some of that stuff cause he knows like, it's just, like, hot take shit, right? Well,
0: I'll tell you, Stephen A. Smith doesn't apologize for much, and he apologized for this one. So, oh, did he? Yeah, and, like, a mm, good you know, five-minute-long apology kind of deal. Yeah. So
1: You know what that means? That means he got a call from Bristol. Somebody, I think. yeah, somebody I said, think someone. Hey, in, I think someone in Bristol picked up the
0: phone. Well, and you got to worry, you know, if you're making $8 million a year, you got to always be worried that people are going to try to find a way out of that contract. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, we'll see. All right. Anything we missed before we go here?
1: Uh, dear, dear, dear. So my final takes folder. Um, uh, can I just blast the Cubs here real quick? Yeah. Um, Always. Chicago Cubs are embarrassing. I mean, it, it feels appropriate to mention the North Siders because we did talk about the South Siders earlier. The Cubs are embarrassing. They're embarrassing. I mean, you might as well trade Chris Bryant to the Mets, who, I mean, you want to talk a meltdown. The Mets are melting down in real time. Not only did they just lose the ERA leader and Jacob deGrom to the the IL again with a mysterious injury that they can't seem to diagnose, but, I mean, in real time against the Pirates today, they were just melting down. Every year I say on the show, it's Mets stuff. It's Mets stuff. They are the most cursed team I've ever seen. Like I know there was the Billy go curse and the Red Sox uh, curse, the babe and all that, but I'm telling you the Mets, they just can't get out of their own way. And I know I got sidetracked there cause I brought up Chris Bryant, but there are Chris Bryant's Mets rumors. And if you're the, if you're the Cubs right now, you might as well make that deal and you might as well almost just reboot and, and start rebuilding because if these overpaid bums can't get it done, then, you know, I guess, I guess it was only one ring. Right, everybody thought this core was going to win two, three. Right, I guess it's just one. Right, I guess it's kind of like the Astros. So, um, as a cup, the Cubs are my NL team, and as a Cubs fan, uh, it's it's embarrassing how bad they're playing right now. I, I, with that payroll,
0: that's that's all fair, and also they only needed the one. When you go a hundred years, they're yeah, gonna ride no, that one for exactly. You know, yep, yeah. the next Absolutely. twenty. And then they can get sad again. But for now, it's just, hey, remember absolute. remember six years absolute. ago or whatever it was?
1: No, absolutely. And uh, just uh, not to take up too much time, but I, another one i got to get off my chest, and I've mentioned in previous weeks, Mully Cooker. Uh, very talented free agent safety. He's still out there. He's still available. He's visited teams like the Steelers. I don't know why nobody has brought him in yet. Because like I said, if he doesn't work out, you cut him. You wash yeah. your hands of him. Yeah. If he does work out, he has shown... As recently as playing with the Colts, that when he's healthy, when he's out there, he's a Pro Bowl type safety. So again, I don't. It mystifies me. Maybe he's pricing himself out of business. Maybe I don't realize the full story here. But by the time we get on air next week, I would like to see Malik Hooker on a NFL roster.
0: Yeah, and it's he is one of the few guys that could end up on a roster. And we go back. This is a thing I meant to note earlier. We're eight weeks out. There's a good chance that before this season starts, something happens and either smart or I say, like, hey, I want to revise that prediction. You know, there's lots of injuries and other shit that can happen. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Lord knows we
0: reserve the right.
1: Yeah. We are rapidly approaching ACL, MCL, Achilles season, non contact injury stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And who
0: know you know, camp o two guys always go down every camp. So um we, we reserve the right to change our rankings. I'm not sure that this is a division that's going to need it necessarily, but Malik Hooker is one of the guys who could join a team that we would, if he joins the right team, we might start thinking about moving that team up in the rankings that he joins.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't see why he can't come back with the Colts or the, you know, the cross division rival Titans with yeah. the holes we saw there tonight. So, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah uh as always my name is charles he is nick smart we thank you for listening and we will talk to you again next week